Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the UK comedy rewatch podcast with me, Jamie, and as always, my brother, Bobby. Good evening, Bobby. Good evening, Jamie. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad, thank you. Um, we are uh, unfashionably late um, coming out with this episode. We have had a, a myriad of things going on, one of them being... Um, the parents, the smother and Dave Law came across to Australia. So they spent uh, just under three weeks um, here. So we had a absolutely mad itinerary, drove all over the place, did a few thousand kilometres. Uh, I've also had some other work on, so I've been absolutely slammed. And then you had your own sort of fun mini adventures over in the Northern Hemisphere, right? Yeah, honestly, this, this last month or so has just been madness. I've had like flu had a sickness bug and I had like half my face opened up at a dentist by a dentist, a dental surgeon as well. So I was very much out of talking mode there for, for a while. <laughs> well, has, has not... That's funny. Actually, I, I, I got a dentist in a few days for another tooth out. Yay. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it was not, not a lot of fun, but uh, you know, two or three weeks on liquid food. But uh, we're we're basically back fighting fit. Um, yeah, life continues to be busy, but it's good to be back. Yeah, and this uh, month, I guess we should say, we are tackling birds of a feather. Uh, I'm not sure sort of how well this goes down with the general community, if people are excited. I know that a friend of the podcast, Rich, is quote-unquote horny for this one. Tidy. So... I was actually quite excited by it. There's an element of nostalgia there for this one, although I'd never really seen like a huge amount. Um, I do remember sort of having it around me as a child and probably laughing at a couple of jokes. I actually thought Smother had um, sort of been a bit of a fan, but she said she was never really that into it when she was here. Interesting. Um, so surprised by I, that. I was sure that I remembered it in the house at home, but... I mean, we probably did, but it's not like there was a lot else on. So, I mean, everyone just watched everything, right? It was the 90s. Yeah, right. But it's a a crazy, long-running and very well sort of decorated show. It is really no slouch. It started in 1989, was the first series, and went through kind of until like 2016 its main run was probably more until 1998 that was series 9 and then it had a reprise in 2014 15 16 17 for 10 11 12 so spans just absolute ages yeah it's crazy you think of like it it's so rare for a show to go away for a length of time and then come back for a significant length of time like that that just doesn't happen like you get little reprises all the time you get specials but this came back and just did multiple series like it's really mad um but i mean the popularity of this at its peak is hard to overstate it averaged well over like significantly over like 10 million viewers per episode in kind of 1989 to 1998 that that's mad that's like top numbers and this is at the time yeah. of Only Fools and stuff. It was its Christmas specials around that time were absolutely on a par with Only Fools. I think it peaked out at twenty something for one of its specials. Like it was incredibly popular, and then sort of ends quite abruptly. We'll talk more about that later. 
and then uh, sort of slowly finds its way back again through a stage show, of all things, uh, which went down really well. And before you know it, it, it's back on the telly and just going again year after year. That's just so... I genuinely can't think of another example of that. Yeah, there are a couple of things that are a, a, a bit similar, I guess. Um, I could probably probably think of some down in the old brain box but it it does feel um quite unique and i mean we could just talk about a lot of background stuff about birds of feather uh probably quite easily just because it spans so long it won a few awards most of them um falling into pauline quirk who um is just an outstanding actress she's obviously done quite a few straight roles that Mm. Um, she's well known for so she won best comedy newcomer best actress in 98 for tv awards the sitcom won um a couple of awards itself like it's um it's not just some rubbish comedy that that turned up it was it was genuinely good and well appreciated and went down well with a, a shed load of people yeah, I saw an interview with the, the writers who are Lawrence Marks and, and Maurice Grant. These are the same guys who did the New Statement, New Statesman with uh, Rick Mail and Goodnight Sweetheart, of course, which we've already spoken about, um, with uh, Nicholas Linhurst. And they can, this is without doubt their, their most famous show. Like this is one they talk about when people say, oh, so if, you know, if your hairdresser asks him, have you written anything I'd know? Like he would say, "Birds of the Feather." So it was kind of a, yeah, right. a, which is crazy to think they're they're two big other shows as well. But this just absolutely dwarfs those in in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I'm not sure how much we've spoken about um, Marks and Gran as they're sort of um, known in the industry, but they're kind of powerhouses of um, UK sort of comedy writing, as Bobby said. Uh, you know, a few good names in there. Um, but I did a little bit of um, background on on some of those, and it's something that someone that we should definitely have been familiar with. But this was definitely their their golden goose. Yeah, for sure. And it it it's surprising that um, it seems like an odd thing to. It, it's surprising that this is a show where it's it's kind of USP is it's all about women, and mm. there's literally like no men hardly ever appear. Not that you notice, it doesn't, it's not like overtly throwing that in your face, it just is what it is. But it, it's still written by two middle-aged men. Like, it, it's not new in that sense, in, in terms of its creation, but it was its ability to to write for those characters um, was clearly just went down really well and was able to hit a very wide demographic. Like, this was not a show written for women. It, as I said, you know, 10 million over, you don't get that by just being a... Uh, a singular novelty show um but so so everyone enjoyed it for for different reasons it had real broad appeal at the time yeah i think it's pretty progressive as well i think it's very subtle in its sort of progression as i would say but the the sort of themes and some of the ways that the women act and they're portrayed and storylines um feel quite ahead of its time in a lot of different ways again it's not like really in your face and really like wow they're changing the the scope of how females are portrayed like it's nothing like that it is subtle but there's still really good progressive ideas and themes in there which i think really helps to hold it up for sort of future viewing as well yeah i I mean this is the only second show we've ever looked at that is 
predominantly female-led after uh, Girls on Top. So, uh, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of these around. Um, that's uh, it's, pro- it's probably time to get into it. Is that enough? Is that enough preamble? Are we preambled out? The only thing I would say is uh, is our choice of episodes and how we've watched this. So it obviously spanned quite a while. Um, I think it's actually like the fifth or sixth most amount of episodes for a British sitcom. It was one of the first things I found out that I never actually wrote down. But it's it's up there for like the most amount of episodes. Like 129 episodes exist of this. Mad. So um, it having so much longevity, I was really keen to dip our toes into a bit more of a breadth of episodes rather than just looking at series one so um bear with us on this one but we watched series the first episode of series one two three four and then the last episodes of series five and six which um it's kind of like the main run it did go to 2008 from series eight but um that, that 1994 was sort of every year, all the same characters always going, and then things kind of changed up a bit. Yeah, there I was would a, have liked to have actually gone. There was a weird break there for a couple of years, right? Sort of two and a half years between the end of Series 6 and the start of um, of Series 7. So, uh, yeah, that, 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 like you say, this is the real proper chunk, those first six se- seasons. Yeah, I think I would have liked to have watched some of the later seasons just because I think it's those that I actually remember. Um, These episodes felt a lot more like I'd never seen them before. But it was certainly enough to get a good sort of overview of the show and I'm really sort of happy with the uh, the choice that we made for the episodes that we watched and got a nice little spread of things. Like I said, we could talk trivia about this show for ages, um, but I think it's probably about time to talk about the actual show and its content. Shall we get into it, Bob? Absolutely, let's do that. So, first things first, as always, um, pretty well known for this series, we will have a little listen to the theme tune. Nice little theme tune that. I uh, I really like it. I it's weird to have such a morbid song as the intro and outro to a comedy. It's it's very odd, but it is quite lovely in its way. It is super weird. Um there was a bit of a evolution of the um intro both in terms of the um actual video part of it and the music, the video initially um, starts off. The first one is is the two of them walking slowly in the dark towards oh, the camera, yeah, which it, is which it. is a bit weird. Like that that was just yeah. odd. And a man singing as well in a kind of quite ominous way. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, and then it sort of uh, progresses on to series two and three with them singing, which is the version we've just heard. So, um. Oh, is it Tracy Robson, Lin- Linda Robson, and Pauline Quirk taking a verse each, 
and we get pictures of them growing up, so a very well-known piece of trivia straight away. Um, these two are lifelong friends. They were literally brought up together. They know each other very well, um, and that, for me, probably does something kind of special in the series. I don't know if it's a bit of a... Um, I don't know if it's a bit of a misnomer or a bit of a sort of, you know, random thing that infects it, but the fact that they they do know each other and the pictures that you see with them sort of adds this kind of gravitas to it somehow. I don't Mm. know if it's because it comes across in the show itself or if it's just a bit of a placebo because we get that intro, but I feel it. I kind of believe it wholeheartedly, you know? Yeah, totally. I think it's nice. I mean, the one thing from the intro is, so there's, there are toddlers playing in the intro that that's not them. They didn't meet until they were about, uh, 10 I think it was in in drama classes so but they do have all these pictures from them as still very young girls and and growing up and that is very unique and very cool like if that they would do that now but they would just like use AI to cheat it so they you know the fact <laughs> that it's in the 90s you're like wait that's actually them when they're like teenagers they must have they must have known each other um it is cool I do think it adds something a bit different and it's not to say that like like you say, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like, because you know it's there, are you saying, well, they've got particularly good chemistry? I don't think really good chemistry is unachievable unless you've known someone for 10, 15, 20 years. However, there is no doubt it helps. And it does, um, it is very instant, the chemistry. It is very good. Like, from, from episode one, they do interact very believably. And, of course, the, the, it, as characters, they're sisters, not just friends. And you totally buy that. Like I, I totally buy them as siblings immediately, and you never doubt it for a second in any of the episodes we watched. Exactly, exactly correct. So um, that's the intro. Very briefly, anyone that doesn't know Birds of a Feather or is loosely aware of it, the storyline very much goes that uh, Linda Robson Tracy is a uh, posh bitch in a big house, husband's making all the big dough, Pauline Quirk is the opposite in a council flat, greasy husband doesn't earn any money and uh what we learn very quickly in the first episode is both of their husbands do an armed bank robbery and then get caught essentially and i'm just sort of going through this now in case you don't really know Mm. the the premise um i suppose you should point out that like you say she's posh i mean she's living posh they both have the identical um kind of essex very common accents which is it is the most common that anything has ever been ever yeah oh I mean, it's, it's just <laughs> it's very quintessentially like of that area uh, and everything like it it's so real like it's not and it's interesting because that's their actual accents as opposed to only fools where Dell and rodney are putting that on um that for them that's actually the way they talk and i do maybe feel like you can it does have an extra layer of authenticity to that I do like that. Yeah, it's almost so um, strong that it feels contrived because, <laughs> like, it's so common. It almost sounds like someone's putting it on. It's yeah, it's think, hard to overstate. Like, it really, like, you know what I mean. Like, it just, it's so unashamedly Essex. <laughs> it's quite funny. I think especially, especially... Um, Linda Robson, like the Tracy character, I feel like hers almost occasionally you question whether she's just 
overdoing it or if she's maybe not a good actress. And then you hear interviews with her and you're like, oh, oh no, that, that is just how she talks. <laughs> uh, I feel Pauline Quirk carries it better. It feels more natural where it, it's a little bit like, I feel like um, Linda, it, it's like she's been raised by wolves, but she's actually a person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, 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 doesn't, it almost doesn't suit her. No, it doesn't, because she's she's obviously um, she's a bit more glamorous, a bit more classically attractive, um, and she she actually does have a bit of this kind of resting bitch face. I guess it's kind of played up on on the um, mm. on the intro, um, but she's still a bit more attractive. But it's it's there is definitely a bit of a dichotomy from how she looks and then when she opens her mouth. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so the the, the story um, basically brings them together. Pauline Quirk leaves her council house to move in with her sister because both of their fellas get banged up and kind of get like 10, 12 years or something like that. And this is the story. So it is the sisters um, in this posh house and they stay in this house for all six of the seasons that we watch. And we also get their neighbour, Leslie Joseph, who is um, the older um, Billy in this, uh, who sort of comes along for the ride in the series and is in pretty much most of the episodes as well. I can't help but notice that at the time, so Pauline Quirk and and Linda Robson are 30, basically bang on when this starts. And Leslie Joseph is uh, Dorian's character. Uh, both her and the character, I believe, are meant to be about the same age. They're 45. Um, I'm pretty sure she looks exactly the same. Like, she looks significantly older than them at the time, and that is, like, a source of many of the jokes, is the fact that she's old. But, honestly, she looks the same at 60 as she did at 45. Like, she aged early, but then stayed there. So, somewhere there is a, a portrait of her. She's 45 in this, she? 45 in that first series. And yeah, she, she, in, looks, in series, she looks older. Yeah, she does. She looks much older. She looks mid-50s at the start, but then now she's like mid-70s and still looks mid-50s, like 60. <laughs> it's really yeah, weird. Um, I do want to kind of go through this episodically, but there is just so much to talk about, so I, I get a feeling it's going to be a little bit all over the map. But in terms of first impressions and episode one, um, they set the scene pretty well. It is, like we said just so Essex common as muck and um, the first two minutes of the first episode genuinely kind of won me over very quickly there is just really quick good jokes and it's something that we say a lot about um, but it's just this real sort of one-liners one hit um, quick hitting sweet spots of jokes just aimed very much at each character lots of slagging each other off which is Probably the the main overarching theme of the whole show. There's just lots of picking on people for the things that they are. So just constantly calling Pauline Quirk fat, constantly calling the Greek guy greasy, constantly calling Leslie Rogers old as fuck. Like it's just really just constantly picking on on these sort of parts of each character. And generally they're written really well and they're really... Uh, they catch you off guard a lot of the time in terms of how they take the piss out of each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was not at all surprised to read that Pauline Quirk got kind of a Best Newcomer Award for this first season because she's, but she particularly stands out to me straight away. Oh, yeah. She is an absolute cut above everyone else in terms of her mm. just comic delivery. She's really, really good. Um, 
you know, absolutely just up there with the best of them at the time. She's just smooth. Uh, you believe everything she says. She's got like a real bite to all her jokes and everything she says. She's it, It's really good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that kind of first sort of 15, 20 minutes of, of sort of seeing the 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 prince and the pauper type thing going on. It's it's not even her joke delivery that I found was sort of, um, although obviously it is really well. The um the parts outside of the the jokes she uh, she does feel it's so funny like everything around her feels a little bit more like comic and a little more more sort of over the top but subtly again but she is just like. 100% natural in every yeah. scene everything she does very real no matter whether she's happy or sad or stressed or angry or she just just is effortless in in portraying this really natural character and it does stand out not so horribly that it makes everything else look bad but you can just see that she is just better just the it's it's an uncanny gift really is yeah i, I the, the three of them are very different. So we meet Dorian pretty early, and straight away she's kind of playing this this crazy kind of larger than life character. Uh, I've heard in the um, the interview with the with the writers, they were saying that they thought the whole show might be a bit too uh, sad if it was just the two sisters whose men have gone to prison, and that's kind of what it was all the time. They needed someone to kind of brighten it up and bring a bit of levity, um, and so what, that's why they wrote this character of this uh, kind of sex crazed. Uh, older neighbor which is, is is an odd character but i do think it's something that maybe a lot of people have met people like this i i, I do i do recognize traits of this character in in people i've met before so and dorian yeah absolutely it feels very real i feel like this is this is a character this is a type of person who definitely exists who's very larger than life who's uh just all over the map just very just just weird people who live in their own world a bit uh and but she's very she's very funny she's very larger than life she has a very different style to especially to pauline quirk who like we said is very very real and quite not subtle but just just seems very real and genuine where certainly by comparison leslie joseph is sometimes very big and almost theatrical but not in a way that looks like she's acting it badly or she belongs on a different show but just her character is bigger it falls into a character because her character is exactly like that yeah. she's showy she's over the top she's posh she's got a um uh, a husband marcus who pays for all of her stuff and she's just this sort of very posh show, so it kind of is her her natural character anyway um i actually thought um and this is probably giving a bit of an overarching uh, opinion early but I thought there was going to be a few things I didn't like about this and I thought Dorian was going to be one of them I don't know if it like something about Leslie Joseph I think um, I'd seen her do some like cameo things or things like Red Nose or whatever and just thought she was probably a bit of a one trick pony and you know did the same thing a bit like um not like Ruby Wax, but a similar sort of idea, you know, mm. just is that character personifies it and is, and is a bit sort of one dimensional. But actually, um, throughout the, the series, the, I, the character is not a million miles away from Ruby Wax and Girls on Tops as the kind of richer, bigger, louder one. It's it's actually not a completely unfair comparison. 
yeah, she's not nearly as um, as loud, but she is certainly as as confident. Um, but I I really actually enjoyed the character and the portrayal by Leslie Joseph. I thought it was genuinely funny. Um, I love the the description on Wikipedia was Dorian is a middle aged married Jew- Jewish woman who is constantly having affairs with younger men. <laughs> Which, it just sums her up like again so unashamingly like just slutty like really just wanting to constantly get under every man for any reason and i i kind of i kind of dig it there's something refreshing about that idea (laughs) and i I kind of just enjoyed it constantly i mean you know the writer said this is a a type of character that hadn't really been on on tv before and was was quite a taboo in many ways and i get that but she she is a full-on sex pest like the couple of guys that she has that they have her like eyeing up are, are not even semi-attractive there's, there's like a ugly you know ginger young window cleaner who's absolutely you know n- no one is stopping and turning it's just the most average looking bloke and i'm mm. i'm being generous and she's honestly like tongue on the floor desperate to get him into bed it's insane it, it was a bit weird i would have maybe liked to have given her a slightly higher standard um but yeah it's she's absolutely both feet in um it's funny you say about there not being a character like this before because much later on i made a very loose comparison and it's not just because it's sort of all female leads but there are probably some similarities between the show golden girls which is um a proper old school US comedy. I don't know if you've heard of it, seen of it. Uh, I I know it. I know it's like you know Betty White's kind of OG thing. Yeah. But I've never watched it. I know very little about it really. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it. I think I've seen bits and pieces, but there is one character in that which is very much like a sort of grave uh, cradle snatcher. They call them, is it? Let's say grave snatcher, <laughs> yeah. cradle snatcher, like um, yeah. like a, a, a horny old woman, and these women just take the piss out of each other all the time and are very sort of catty. So I um, there's definitely a little bit of a uh, similarity there that I kind of picked up on i wonder if there was maybe some influence from from that i don't know how when that started but i guess it's probably 80s or 70s that, it's, that show. It, yeah, it's mid 80s to too early 90s so it isn't the same kind of time period it's interesting as well because they did try and do an american remake of birds of a feather uh unsuccessfully but if it it you know maybe it was kind of too much too similar to Golden Girls maybe it kind of it didn't work doing it twice if this was inspired by Go- Golden Girls then trying to to redo it again um, but uh, I I don't know how comparable it is because I I just don't know the show really but uh, yeah Doreen is an, a very interesting character um, just I did want to touch on one thing with this first episode. I really enjoyed most of the first half. It was a bit all over the place, but it it was good fun. This last third, I was I'm just so confused. What happened? Like it started very funny, and that then they had a lot of story to kind of cram into the last sort of ten minutes. And I feel I, I genuinely was like, did I just skip five minutes? Like, why are they doing this robbery? Who's robbery? Who's doing this robbery? What the hell is going on? It was they were just suddenly in prison. It was all very sudden, and I was very confused. And there was no, there was no like explanation. I was like, 
they started talking about how they were both definitely Robin for ages. That's how he paid for everything. But then, why was only one of them rich? I, I was so confused by everything that happened in the last ten minutes. I feel like I must have missed something. Yeah, I don't. I think that um, Tracy's fella uh, was always Robin, and maybe the other guy came on. But it is a little bit loose. It, it goes through a lot we have to introduce the, all the characters and then create this situation for us to live in for the remainder of the series so it is a lot to go through there's also a crazy action sequence i mean we're literally yeah. i don't know 10 minutes into the episode and it is a very well done i mean i had to rewind it which <laughs> i very rarely ever do to actually see how it's filmed and i mean it's not lethal weapon but it it was it was good it's not lethal weapon well done and it was probably better than a lot of the action sequences in Only Fools. And this is series one, episode one. And we've got like a car chase and a bike flying over this car and sticking the landing. Like it's nothing crazy, but just completely not what you would expect for like episode one of an all-female, currently unrated series in mm. 1989. It was mad. Yeah, and, and these guys hadn't done a lot beforehand. They were a little bit coming out of nowhere. Uh, they certainly didn't ha they had a little bit of pedigree but uh, i mean this was very much what made them uh so yeah it, it does it does drop with quite a bang i i did think it was all a bit messy and i was really looking forward to getting to the next episode uh of course we then skip ahead to series two so th there's maybe some explanations there later in series one that gives us some more context that that maybe we miss but um i, I did like what we did with the whole jumping around because i think that 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 showed us a lot. It was um, it was fun to kind of move straight onto series two and see the uh, that things had kind of settled down a bit, and it, we were just focusing really on um, on on the main characters, and it, it it didn't feel like the whole show was revolved around them always waiting for their husbands to come out of prison. Like you think maybe that would be what it was after the first episode, and maybe more of the first series talked about it, but they seemed there seemed to be a thing that they occasionally went back to because it gave them something to talk about. But actually, quite often they would they'd be just doing their own thing. It'd just be about the three of them getting into their own little scrapes. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. The um, this sort of going into the prison. Um, as a sort of side storyline, as a big storyline a lot of the time. They obviously, Visitation is where we see it a lot of the time, but in later series, we and bear in mind we didn't steal the episodes, but it, it the content does also include just the husband doing some scenes in the um, prison, which is just nice and refreshing as well, just to sort of mix it up a little bit. Again, it all looks quite good in terms of the, the aesthetic of both the visitation and the um, actual prison sets, I think uh, they've sort of done well to, to bring that in as well. So um, one other thing that um, I probably would have brought up a little bit earlier, and it's probably something that might interest some of our listeners, but there is a shed load of this that feels crazy close to Only Fools and Horses. Like... Mm the especially the first episode um specifically not to jump back but kind of throughout the series there is just something about it partly because it's common obviously that 
the sort of London Cockney is a bit different than the sort of Essex banter, but it's still very similar. We've got two siblings that are taking the piss out of each other. The sets, when they're not in this really sort of uh, posh house, look really similar as well. Um, the sort of punchy nature of the jokes, some of the themes, some of the storylines also just are complete sort of parries to Only Fools episodes. There's an, there's part where they're playing Monopoly and mm. they complain about it being expensive and flip over the board. I mean, it's literally like taken straight out of Only Fools. Not that that's a sort of original um, script idea to be fighting over Monopoly, but... It it just, I think if you love Only Fools, then this would this very much feels at home, uh, in terms of so much of its makeup, and uh, I don't know if it necessarily does it favors or not, but I think just because it fits into the same sort of pigeonhole as Only Fools, it's really easy to appreciate it if you already appreciate Only Fools because it's it is very very similar in terms of its comedy and makeup and and everything else yeah absolutely it's pulling on a lot of the same things that make only fools work i do think that that is not an accident in in many ways i think they've chosen the whole kind of london centric cockney thing a little bit to do that i i do feel like it is definitely not subtly inspired not to say it's plagiarized but it's definitely uh riding on its coattails a little bit if i'm honest there probably are a few bits that almost do feel plagiarised, but then it's hard to separate what's kind of ubiquitous mm. and contemporaneous to the time. Like, you know, they say things like, haven't got a pot to piss in, and all these sort of colloquial um, words and manners of things which just seem directly out of Only Fools in terms of the language. So there's just lots of reasons to keep going, oh, I can compare that to that, I can compare that to that. And at no point did I really feel sort of uh, like it was cheated or plagiarising heavily, but it was was a constant reminder throughout probably every episode that there were um, themes and dynamics that, that were so close to Only Fools. Yeah, it, it definitely did. It did feel like it was doing a lot of the same things and, and doing them well for sure. But it it was at times a little too close for comfort. And you got to think if you weren't living anywhere near London or the South in general, what a tedious time for like telly, the two biggest shows at the time, just very London centric, all with the same like London kind of style accents as well. Like it's uh, that's definitely something that that wouldn't really happen now. Sort of the two most co- popular comedy shows being so all based around London with kind of the same uh, same dialects and the same kind of Cockney jokes and stuff. Things are much more wider spread now. I think we they'd spread things around. They'd put other characters in it a little bit. But this, I mean, literally everyone's a Cockney. I don't think we meet another character in the six episodes we've met that isn't from London or doesn't doesn't speak like they're from London. It's uh, it's mm. it's very focused. I mean, you at least move around a little bit. You get like a Denzel in Only Fools, but this hasn't even got a Denzel. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's, there's no one here. Um, it it also they do a lot of. Um, this is again kind of we're kind of jumping around a little bit on episodes now but it kind of jumps on on one episode suddenly uh suddenly they've got a load of money um and it's like okay cool they apparently one of them started a calf and they're making a load of money and then 
oh wait, there's another episode and now they're skint again. Oh wait, they're rich again. Oh wait, no, they're skint again. And, and that happened in a, at about four times in three episodes that they went from poor to rich to poor to rich again. And that was, again, feeling off those same kind of like striving for, striving for riches that only fools does, but while also always taking place in this very posh house, which was a mm. bit weird. I didn't ever really buy. I, I think it's the one thing that the show didn't do very well was really sell their struggle, their day to day struggles. It always seemed like, uh, Sharon was, you know, didn't have any money or whatever, but they always, they were always in this very beautiful surroundings with their very rich friend who didn't ever have to think about a penny. And that was all a bit weird. I would say that's the thing that the show did least well. Mm. It, um, it opens up the storyline for them to do whatever they want. The kind of, the clever part of the writing is, you know, I have a nice house. There's essentially some kind of secure and stable. So um, we take every, everything's taking place in the house. But I do know exactly what you mean in terms of some of it being a little bit unbelievable. We obviously jumped around the episode, so we, we were missing context for sort of some of the themes and ideas it's probably one of the uh one of the negatives of sort of jumping around and in terms of the episodes is we kind of have to discover things uh on the fly but i, th I think it's fair to say that it probably uh, could have been um delved into a little bit more certainly the episodes that we went into but it wasn't enough to sort of make me enjoy it or spoil it it was just sort of a bit of a footnote like mm, this could be addressed a bit better maybe yeah it certainly felt i think so i watched this in kind of two shifts i watched the first uh two episodes like a month ago now at least and then i watched another episode a couple of weeks after that and then i watched the last two episodes we watched very recently so i'm not sure if that's part of the bias but for me I did notice uh, a, a big drop off in those later episodes in terms of just originality. I felt those first couple of episodes, everything felt very different. There was a lot of good kind of snappy jokes. There was some quite, you know, it was good. Like there was this big stuff in the second episode that we watched, sort of the first episode of series two, where where um, Linda Robson's character, Tracy, is kind of coming to terms with, you know, having to basically fend for herself, you know, make sure she pays bills and look after herself. And she's got her sister being like, you know, this is the real world. This is real life. You know, life is hassle. <laughs> that's what that's what life is, a load of hassle. And I, I thought that was fun and interesting. This kind of like someone learning about how the real world is. But then it did get just a bit repetitive in terms of, you know, the, the rich, the poor, the the fat joke, the old joke. I never really felt I understood what they were doing with Tracy's character. After that second episode, I feel like there was very little more development. There was one episode where they tried to do something interesting with her, but it was mental and it didn't work at all. Uh, I Do you know what I'm referring to? The kids football team. Yeah, mental. That made no sense. That was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. <laughs> You know, I do. Um, I am constantly impressed with uh, how 
similar our opinions are and things that we notice. I mean, we watch three hours of program and we we come away with essentially the same talking points. And it's funny, I thought exactly the same. The the sort of banter between them is great um, throughout, still still throughout. And some of it is brutal. Like they go for the jugular like a lot of times, especially like there's this bit where... Um, in the first episode where uh, Pauline Crook's husband goes away, she talks to all these uh, little biddies on the estate, like these sort of nosy girls, and they are just absolutely slinging shit at each other. And, like, it is real, like, proper brutal burns. Um, even, and, and I was thinking as the series progressed, I was like, oh, this is kind of a getting a bit repetitive. The jokes are... Um, very similar in terms of how they take each other down. You know, Doreen is old, Paul and Quirk is fat. And it's quite formulaic kind of sit- after a time. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder if I'd watched, you know, six seasons, if I might be a little bit uh, turned off by the repetitiveness of it, if it gets a bit stale. But then like two minutes later, there's a fat joke, which I just completely didn't see coming. And I'm like laughing out loud audibly because it is just really well delivered. Mm. And although it is probably a little bit too one dimensional and and maybe the writing would benefit from being um, a little bit more varied, they're still able to just have really good comic timing and the fat and old Jake still made me audibly laugh out loud even when I was literally in a headspace thinking this is probably getting a bit repetitive so it did still work and it was still very well executed uh, I mean I give them I give them points for trying different things and I do think they did in those in those later episodes that were a bit weirder like when they suddenly made Tracy kids football manager was was mental made no sense didn't fit a character didn't wasn't believable the whole time she was doing it and then was very quickly forgotten at the end and for good reason um (laughs) there's a very clever bit where they somehow end up making dorian work for them for a little while which kind of happened in in a pretty believable way and that was quite good Mm. and that was fun i liked how they did that that whole last episode was you know that we watched was, was pretty good um but it, so much of the it does feel a little bit like we have to get x amount of jibes between between Sharon and Dorian every episode it's like there has to be three or four and there kind of was on every episode and that was a bit they almost felt like they leaned heavier on that than they did in the earlier episodes i mean i i remember the the, the third episode at first, it was it was it was a bit of a unique one. This so this was the, the one where we definitely saw the most of inside the prison. Uh, it was it was called keeping up appearances randomly. So after another mm. popular sitcom of the time, and there was this whole thing about how um, uh, Tracy's husband had let himself go and had, had, you know started just becoming a big greasy, smelly, horrible bastard. And I remember at the time thinking. Like, he's in prison. Like, give the guy a break. Jesus. But, actually, the way they turned it round at the end and kind of made it more that he was actually being unnecessarily gross and had kind of given up a bit on life and it was a bit of a dirty protest and it was... They ended up, uh, him and him and Tracy, kind of understanding each other more and having these more honest conversations and him kind of trying a bit harder again. I actually found that 
genuinely quite believe, very believable and nicely done and a surprise to how I the, how I felt about the first episode. And it was kind of the last time I really felt they did something interesting with Tracy that, that kind of worked. I felt I, I we learned a, a decent amount about our character in that episode, I, but I didn't feel like we got that in any other. It's actually really interesting. I I, um, I thought that was uh, really well done for something that was, uh, again, in, in order to sort of get across what's happening in this episode, they they make Daryl look very down and out. He's stubbly, his hair is greasy, he does just look a bit dirty, and especially for us going from one series to another, I, there is, I wasn't sure if there was like a slow transition of this or if it's just this episode, but it, it clearly was just this episode. But it's a huge change from this like nicely conditioned soft hair that this guy very soft has. hair, <laughs> and um, his attitude changes very much. He's a very sort of softly spoken, sort of complimentary fella, quite quite attractive in that sort of 80s 90s style genuinely caring go- husband as well like he, yeah, he, he yeah. really cares about tracy he's a good husband and um he kind of just turns into this proper grease monkey and it's it is a very very different character and even though it's sort of bordering a bit on hammy it is done well and then when we turn back and he basically all the storyline goes through and now at the end and he's back to being all nice and clean like the change between those two parts is massive like it's almost over the top but they somehow managed to actually make it believable so it's a hell of a trick to do that there's a really fine line of like you've you've really like played up to this far too much um but but they nail it really well and there's something about this show where they obviously deliver a lot of moralistic sort of content, like a lot of sort of sitcoms. You know, there's a lesson to be learned at the end of an episode, whether it's sort of right, wrong, good parts of the character, you know, that that classic sort of part. Um, and sometimes that can be a little bit hammy. And I think a lot of the time it comes from Linda Robson. Um, her, her acting is, and her sort of portrayal and everything feels like the weakest um, and I think she stands out a little bit and some of those sort of moralistic moments where we're supposed to learn um, did feel a little bit, a little bit hammy and a little bit contrived and it took me out of it a little bit, but they always are able to still deliver, or at least in the episodes we watched, still able to deliver a good episode that was well written, that was funny, that did have the morals in there. And we sort of, you know, back to the the start again, you know, by the end or by the next episode. So the sort of moments of ham and cheese were, were sort of fleeting and actually it does such a good job that you kind of just you kind of just allow it. Like you you'd have to be really looking for it, I think. I think what helps is Tracy's character, although without doubt the least interesting and most poorly acted of of the three main ones if we're being sort of quite critical is still quite likable i think you'd be very easy for that if you're not the great actor and you're given the least interesting things to do it'd be quite easy for them to just be feel like they're i don't know just filling the space and taking away from the interesting things but 
maybe you do need a little bit of that. Like, you can't have everyone be turned up to... I mean, you can in some shows, but it it doesn't hurt to have a, a palate cleanser at times and have someone that's just a little bit more um, subtle. And that might be giving her a bit too much credit, but I do think it kind of works as a dynamic. And I think uh, she seems a bit more caring. She genuinely uh, cares about both characters where the, the relationship between Dorian and Sharon is, is very aggressive and very confrontational. Tracy and Dorian don't really tend to argue that much. And when they do, it seems in a much softer way. So it does kind of work to bring it together, but there's, there's no doubt you've got Sharon doing well, Pauline Quirk doing a lot of the heavy lifting on terms of just bringing the kind of raw grittiness. And then you've got Leslie Joseph bringing the big energy. And then Linda Robson's also there. <laughs> it, there is a lot of that. And I, I think that's, I think that's as much a writing issue as an acting issue. And I, don't, I think it's also a bit. I think it's also a bit of a choice. Like that kind of works as a. It must be a choice, a sort right? Of trio dynamic. Yeah. Like you got two big personalities. One of them has to take a bit more of a back seat and has to be a bit more of the sort of sane, um, like you say, palate cleanser. Yeah, no, I think for sure that that's very much the case. Should we? Uh sort of find our way towards some kind of summary as we've gone through a lot of the kind of beats of each individual episode <laughs> I love it when you speak in a voice and I'm like is this on pod? it sounds like he's doing a pod voice yeah I'm I'm, I'm usually not sure I'm still not sure we're in the metaverse right now <laughs> Um. yes have you got any interesting research or trivia or anything that you haven't brought up I will point out just one random thing before we go through our kind of proper summary. Um, I found a very fun, very silly uh, comic relief special with French and Saunders and Pauline Quirk and Linda Robson. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it was actually very good. So it, it's based in the Birds of a Feather house and uh, French and Saunders turn up as cleaners. Um, and they're basically taking the piss out of them, like trying to imitate their accents and, and their mannerisms and stuff. And, and it's very good. They, the four of them bounce off each other really, really well, actually. Um, and I would recommend checking it out. It's kind of fun. I, I don't think of Pauline Quirk and Linda Robson being like a, a double act in that traditional way, like French and Saunders are, but that's clearly what they're going for in, in concept. But, um, it's good fun. It's worth watching. It's just a bit different, and it's bringing together the the kind of our two all female shows that we've really looked at with uh, Girls on Top, and and now this. It's uh, it, it, it's a good bit of fun. That nice. I haven't heard of or seen that, but um, sounds great. You're you're right though that the um, although this is massive and was well appreciated, it feels like it's. Uh, been kind of forgotten really like it's just it doesn't feel like it has this big legacy like Ab Fab and and those two double acts and loads of other sort of big classic comedies although this sort of and I'm kind of accidentally transitioning into some sort of roundup here although it um although it 
has earned its stripes and was clearly well received. I don't think that it is in this sort of like hall of fame that Mm. a lot of other things that were nowhere near as good or successful um, is in. Like for some reason it doesn't feel like something that is like, oh, this is a massive, huge British comedy, which is, you know, just one of the longest running, one of the most amount of episodes, one of the highest viewers, won awards. Like, it it, it earns its place in probably one of the all-time greats in terms of its statistics, but it doesn't feel like it, like it is there in terms of the zeitgeist. But I don't know if I'm just a little bit out of touch for that, but I don't know that it's on people's lips as much as, you know, other stuff. I actually think I completely agree. Um, I do think it's uh, a little forgotten. I think it's a little bit, I don't know, shallow's really the word, but I mean, you think about all the episodes we watched, they were nowhere, ne- apart from that first episode, they were nowhere near as kind of dramatic in, in kind of what they happened or dramery like an Only Fools was. I don't feel like any of the concepts in it were maybe truly unique. Okay, there's being an all female cast is very interesting, but it's almost uh it's almost giving it respect to say that that isn't enough to make it inherently special of its own accord. But there's a lot of shows like that. You think of something like um you know, I don't know, My Family or or shows like this. You got these shows that have really long runs that are very popular at the time, but in the grand scheme of things are largely forgotten. And I do think this is this is one of them. I don't even though it's come back, it clearly has a loyal fan base, but it's not. There's not enough there to really make it stand out as something interesting. I think I think it has too few too many small flaws. I don't think it quite reaches a high level. Um, it, it's nowhere. It's definitely not on our, our list of kind of poor shows that we've struggled through. Definitely not. But it is going to be a bit of a forgotten one, I think, by by us as well as the general public. See, I have to disagree with that. I was going to say, uh, as much as it feels like it hasn't stand, stood the test of time in terms of its sort of being on people's mind or spoken about, <clears throat> I was, um, and this is like just opinion time, I was pleasantly surprised from the first two minutes of turning it on. Um, I thought it was a shed load better than I ever would have expected it to be. I enjoyed every episode. Flaws in one, in episodes were were there, but I enjoyed every episode. I look forward to the next episode. I kind of feel like I want to watch more of it. Like it, it was so easy. Like um, I actually sort of got comfortable and. rather than sitting at my desk I sort of sat down with a drink and watched the last couple of episodes last night and and just kind of enjoyed it like there's no massively complex uh themes going on and I don't know if I watch six series if I would get bored or whatever but um I appreciated it appreciated it so much for so much of his content and I and I think that although it isn't um maybe as sort of well known as a lot of other things of the era I think it deserves all of the awards all of the viewership everything that it had because it is actually a really great series I think if you like Only Fools and if you're sort of into some of those things that that we've been into and and generally agree with 
the things that are good and bad. Like, you're going to like the series. It is well written. It is funny. I mean, I, I was definitely laughing out loud multiple times per episode and just kind of like focused on it like I wasn't on my phone and I wasn't losing my interest with it like it it warmed to me or or I was warmed to it quite quickly and some of that is probably nostalgia but genuinely just thought it was great like it is even though we've picked up on a couple of things I feel like you know we're looking for problems and a lot of people just wouldn't see that you know if you're not trying to um find issues or look at it with that close eye like there's not that much wrong with it It, it's a really great series and I am well happy that we watched it because I I really put it up there with um a classic brilliant well-written great English comedy I think you've been exceptionally generous (laughs) Really? You didn't you didn't actually enjoy it that much? You know what? I, I felt very similar to you after the first probably two episodes and probably even after the three. And then I really struggled. Uh, I started to struggle on the fourth and then by the last two, I was quite, quite done. I, I feel like it, it absolutely uh, plateaued. And it really felt like it, it brought, in three episodes, literally 50% of the episodes we watched, I felt like I it brought very little new in terms of just being interesting. Not not a lot really happened, and I didn't feel like the jokes were necessarily that different to the jokes they'd made in previous episodes. And I did feel already it had gotten a bit repetitive and a bit, yeah, kind of one-dimensional and predictable as well. Like some of the twists in those later episodes were either predictable, like, you know, when they've got there, when uh, when Sharon's running a store and it turns out the, the old biddy who sounds too good to be true is shock horror, too good to be true. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> that was predictable. And it went on too long. It, it started off being, well, I, th- I know where this is going, too well, they've gone on about it so long, it's now so obvious that they can't do it, can they? Oh, wait, no, they are. Um, and then, <laughs> that whole weird thing with Sharon being a football manager, which just made zero sense at all. But uh, you did like the last episode? The last episode was all right, but then the weird thing was the last episode, they have a year and a half break at the end of the last episode, so you, it was not a guarantee it was coming back. And it it finishes completely unceremoniously. Like, there's nothing... This is not... We, the reason we watched the last episode of the last two series is because very often the, the the last episode of a series, there'll be a, a... The stakes will be higher, it'll be bigger, it'll be bolder, and it will, and it will stand out. That's true in a lot of comedy shows. Uh, it's And it's a reason we've done this before, kind of flitting to the beginning and the end of series. Uh mm. This this wasn't that at all. It, this felt like an absolute middle of the series, and it's they're thirteen episode series, so it's not that they couldn't yeah, have right. built up a storyline. It's not these aren't six episode series. Series five and six had thirteen episodes in them, and on episode thirteen of the series and both of them, nothing really that interesting happened, and they ended 
pretty abruptly with not a lot going on. I just thought that was a bit poor and it felt a little bit phoned in already by that point. And the fact that they've gone on to do another, you know, I can't do the maths, 60 episodes since then really surprises me. I think it peaked Mm. early. I think they found a formula. I think it worked. And I think it felt safe and uninteresting from that point. Loved the first episode. Thought the second was pretty damn good. And then it all just started to fall apart for me. I wouldn't watch any more. I feel like I saw it at its best and I'm and I'm I'm over it. You are right in terms of the fact that those last episodes were were missing some pizzazz for sure. And like like you said, we it's no Let's wait for these cookabarrows to stop. Can you hear it? No. Wow wow. Okay. <laughs> No coincidence that we we do this sort of start and end thing. I think it is sort of good to see how the start of a new series introduces the new series and to see how it closes them out. And both of them were very unceremonious, like you said, and just missing um, sort of something that, that I would have liked. I've, I, I kind of want to watch more because I have this idea in my head that it might well have improved and that things changed and they had to mix things up a little bit because it got stagnant and maybe we were just sort of at that end point of the stagnation um but there was a dip in viewership for series six and seven and it came back up again massively for for eight and nine so i I don't know if they changed um something in that but i'm I seem to think that they fall on hard times. I, I'm sure I have this idea that they're not in this big posh house um, for some of the later seasons. So maybe it 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 pulls back up again. But I don't know. I think I was so impressed by it um, initially and found it so much better than I was expecting. I went in expecting to think this is probably going to be okay. Um, it probably is going to feel very foreign and it probably isn't going to feel like it's in my wheelhouse. You know, it's not mm. going to be in that sort of that sort of hitting all those sweet spots. And when you've got a show that is so joke heavy, so close to Only Fools in terms of lots of different reasons, um, Pauline Quirk just being outstanding the whole time, surprisingly liking Dorian quite a lot, like most this the the series a lot more to surprise me and uh make me enjoy it and like it and I found lots of things to enjoy this for that I wasn't expecting and a lot more of that than things that I wouldn't have liked and there's a lot there was a lot less negative than I was expecting um it does get a bit stagnant uh, I think, and I think if you, again, you know, we're we're judging this by it's it's hard not to judge it by sort of new um, standards and modern standards, which are you know very elaborate and crazy storylines. But um, we're just spoiled um, now in terms of what we desire from a series. Like all the series now, they, there's so much in them, and I think that a lot of stuff 30 years ago was a lot more simplistic and if you judge it against things of its time um i think it 
was great and I and I just I just really appreciated it. I was I was so surprised at how much I liked it and how many good things there was about it when I was expecting the show to just be very different. Yeah. I don't I think I think uh, to say that it's good for its time and we we'd be harsh. I mean, you know, uh Faulty Towers 70s much better show obviously that's a very special show but i think only fools is doing a lot of similar things except much better i think one foot in the grave was better um and that's a couple of old people like that's also kind of unique and different and stuff like i felt like they could have done more with the characters i just i feel like it was a bit you know easy i mean good night sweetheart written by the same guys i think was a much more interesting um show of course it's a much more unique concept but by definition it's straight away interesting but it felt like they took risks and things were different there and this just felt very safe i don't know like it feels like they kind of had a bit of a cash cow it was a bit safe and they didn't really rock the boat i have looked through the episode kind of release dates one thing that might which is just interesting to give it a slight kind of credit is those episode 13s in series five and six there is then a christmas special very shortly after that like just a couple of weeks after both of those so in a way they weren't rounding off the series uh in a way Mm. but in a way they also kind of were so i'm not going to let it off too much but it it (laughs) feels they felt like very mid series slump episodes and they were really their their main ones in many ways so is it actually fair to say that you don't like the series very much? I I liked some of the episode. I liked the early episodes a lot. I was very pleasantly surprised by the first episode, and stayed with it for the second. And and by the end, I was yeah, I was done. I was quite frust- I was frustrated. I felt like it could have been so much better. I felt like it started interesting, and I was annoyed by the end of how repetitive and and simplistic it had gotten so disappointed i felt like it was a missed opportunity it didn't it's not the same as like like girls on top which was just objectively not very funny and british empire which just isn't to my taste it it felt like a a missed opportunity a little bit it's kind of a shame because i i kind of see this part part of this sort of public service that we we do if you want to call it that is kind of like you know how good is this show really when we sort of go back and look at it and for me I can't help but feel that how this show matches up against my expectations and impressions and what I would have thought about it prior to watching was I was expecting it to be mediocre um and it definitely was much better than mediocre and for that my final thought is oh people that listen to this and follow us along like this is actually a much better show than i expected this is uh, a show that i laughed out loud at a lot sure it's got its problems but it is genuinely a good show and i'm not surprised at all of its success um even though you know we always want better we always want more i don't think it's surprising how well it's loved and how good it's uh, how much success it received and that's kind of my overarching message is is this is better than i thought it's there's a lot to enjoy here and worth to watching and i think it's a good show 
against my own expectation. Is one, uh, uh, you know, 10 years ago, as, as one of the shows on repeats on a UK TV Gold, this is one that if you kind of, you stuck on UK TV Gold while you made dinner and did the washing up, uh, you'd be perfectly satisfied. Uh, but, I mean, there is no way I'd sit down and watch more of it. Like, I, yeah, I, I watched the rest of Goodnight Sweetheart. I genuinely considered watching more of um of one foot in the grave but this i I wouldn't i i i wouldn't if if i lived in a world with a uk tv gold kind of type channel sat on the background of my life which it doesn't i just seek out things i actually want to watch because of you know modern day streaming world but if that was the world i lived in i i would see myself watching more and probably enjoying large chunks of it but uh I, i mean i wouldn't seek it out and I would say if you're intrigued because you didn't watch it at the time or maybe you did and don't really remember it, I would say watch a couple of episodes, but the early ones because it's interesting and it's, I think Pauline Quirk is really good. I think she's really, really good. I think she's looking... Yeah, see, I could watch it just for her. I'm, su- for I'm surprised Quirk. she hasn't done more. I mean, she's done a lot of good things. I remember she played a really serious straight role in uh, Broadchurch um, and came across very well in that. I think she's... Didn't she do, like, Mrs. Marple or something? She did some massive lead as well. Maybe. Yeah, she did. She did do a detective thing for a while, didn't she? Yeah, big thing. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think she's done a lot. She's very well known and done some massive roles. Yeah, absolutely. And she's she's really good. Uh, I think she's she's absolute streets ahead of the other two in terms of breadth and depth of acting ability. So do you think that this has not met your expectation or you think it surpassed your expectation um both (laughs) it it started (laughs) off better than i expected and it ended up about where i expected i think how it ended by the i expected it to be a little bit one-dimensional and a little bit formulaic and a bit boring but uh, with some interesting jokes here and there. Because I do remember chuckling at this as a kid and Dorian being quite a fun and interesting character. And she's many people's favourite character, by the way. There's kind of talks of, of kind of rifts between her and Pauline Quirk because of this. Uh, that in, you know, for many really? people... Yeah, many people think that she, in a way, kind of owned the show. Uh, hmm. But I, I I wouldn't say that was the case. But um, there are there are people that feel like that. But yeah, for me, I think Pauline Quirk is is absolutely miles ahead. So, um, ending on a slight difference of opinion there. Um, Always fun. Probably a bit more than a bit more than I was expecting. Um, I I really thought you'd be a little bit more uh, warming to my camp, but you've really sunk your teeth into the um, the negatives there, which is kind of a bit of a shame for me because I I was I am still le- left quite impressed with how much I enjoyed it over my expectation. But um, there are clearly some flaws. It's clearly not as good as any flaws, and it's clearly not as good as some of the the other classics, but still deserves a great place and time. There is a possibility, if I'd watched it all straight off the bat in the month and hadn't had a hell of a month or six weeks, maybe I would have enjoyed it more. Maybe it's partly my fault. That does happen, but I, I don't think it is. <laughs> oh, good. I, I think I think I think we're good. I think we're ready to move on. 
Cool. All right. Well, um, on to uh, the next episode, which we're going to absolutely take down on next series, should I say. Would you like to choose a number between 1 and 48? 1 and 48. Mm-hmm. Okay, looking for something a little bit different, hopefully. Let's see what we got. The number is number 4. Ah, oh, great. Uh, good, re- good reaction. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it's not one of the ones I've been desperate to watch because I know it so well. But it's a great show and it's completely different. So I think this is going to go down well. It's uh, the IT crowd. Oh, shit. Do you know, I've really been thinking quite a lot. I don't know why, but I really want to do In Between Us. <laughs> oh, really? It came up It came up the other day. Um, someone um, from Australia mentioned it. Some um, sort of younger person. I was like, oh, you know, The In Between Us, that's awesome. And I was like, oh, I do really want to tackle that. That'd be very funny. Um, IT Crowd is also obviously great, though. I, I really liked IT Crowd, um, all of it. I mean, especially the first series is, is, you know, possibly the best series. It was only a couple of years ago I last watched IT Crowd. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really happy with that. I think I've probably seen all of the episodes and, and know it pretty familiar. It's something that I'd definitely say that I do like um, just four seasons. So I think it's probably safe to say we'll just watch the first season for this one. Yeah, I, I think the first season is really good as well in the way it kind of, it, it's slightly different. You have character change at the end of it as, as uh, our friend from uh, Toast of London comes in in series two where you have Chris Morris oh, in Series yeah. 1 playing playing Renum. So it, Series 1 is a nice, like, kind of standalone thing, and it's the lowest budget, and it's kind of different from the others a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to go traditional on this. Awesome. All right, well, um, a bit more of a uh, classic and certainly a bit more in our sort of time frame. And um, what was it, 2010, was it? 2006. Yeah, so. it's a bit older than you'd think. Yeah, that's actually that's nearly twenty years old now. That's that's kind of crazy, hey? Oh, we're getting old. We're not getting younger. All right. Well, hopefully, um, resuming normal service, and we'll be releasing um, IT Crowd next month. Um, Thanks for your patience, as always. Hopefully, you enjoyed and appreciated this episode. It was good to be um, back in the pod share and chatting some uk comedy shit with you bob so uh thanks for staying up yeah thanks very much everyone for your patience we uh i think we got a bit smug because we recorded like quite a few episodes in december and january (laughs) and everything was going really well so uh it only makes sense that they all went completely tits up uh so yeah but we're we're glad to be back in the saddle and uh i look forward to the next episode it's a fun one to look forward to all right thank you much everyone catch you later bob peace Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, forward slash Only Fools Brothers, or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also, really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye. <laughs>